this past year, um, during COVID, I think uh, God just stirred up something in the hearts of our people. Uh, we said, okay, let's let's pl- plant churches. Sent out a, a Google form, uh, who wants to go? Wow. Um, 1,154 people uh, signed up. Say On a but, Google form? Yeah, well, that, that's how <laughs> we do it. You can't get my people to respond to <laughs> anything. And you say on a Google form, yeah. you got 1,000 people signed up to go. Who wants mm-hmm. to go to church planning? To go to church planning. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. And, um, and wow. so... So we said, oh, oh boy, that's, that, I wasn't expecting that during COVID. Family, multiplication, restoration. I'm Dahadi Lewis. Join me, Noah Odom and Hayden Radden, as we come to you from Atlanta, St. Louis, and Las Vegas, as we seek to add value to your church planning journey. We'll have real-time, authentic conversations that are relevant to the life of the church planner and pastor. Join us as we hear from leaders of this movement from across North America and discover what it really takes to plant churches everywhere for everyone. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of the We Are Send Network podcast. My name is Noah Oldham, the lead pastor of August Gate in St. Louis, joined, as always, by Hayden Ratner, senior pastor of Walk Church in Las Vegas, Nevada, and Dahadi Lewis, the lead pastor of Blueprint here in Atlanta. And today we have another special guest, Ed Kang, Pastor Ed from California. Ed, welcome. Thank you for being on the podcast. Yeah, thank you for having me. It is always amazing to be just in the room with you. Every time Ed Ed speaks, I just hear myself sit back and just say, wow, wow. About every three to five yeah. minutes, he just drops yeah. nuggets of wisdom. Um, would you, just for a moment, just share a little bit about your family, about your church, what God's doing right now? Uh, oh, my family. I, I got I got three kids. Um they were they were with us the whole time. They went to Berkeley. We live in Berkeley, and then uh, now they're all gone. And I have two grandkids, and they're in Philly. And I am still I need grief counseling. I still miss my grandkids, but I did that to a lot of grandparents. So it's my turn. <laughs> uh, we sent them out for church planting, and my daughter's in Boston. And wow, yeah. So well, God's doing at our church. Um, uh, this. Past year, um, during COVID, I think uh, God just stirred up something in the hearts of our people. Uh, we said, okay, let's let's pl- plant churches. Sent out a Google form, uh, who wants to go? Wow. Um, 1,154 people uh, signed up. Say On a uh, Google form? Yeah, well, that, that's how <laughs> we do it. I can't get my people to respond to <laughs> anything. And you say on a Google form, yeah. you got a 1,000 people signed up to go. Who wants mm-hmm. to go to church planning? To go to church planning. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. And, um, and wow. so so we said, oh, oh boy, that's that. I wasn't expecting <laughs> that during COVID. But I think maybe people got stir crazy or people thought, okay, like none of my students are coming back anyway. We better go start something else. I don't know what happened. So we ended up sending out more than 400 adults. Uh, 90-some children uh, with them, and uh, we sent out 35 teams uh, to I don't know how many cities. Um, I forgot the count, but it's it's Ann Arbor, Madison, uh, Urbana-Champaign, Purdue, West Lafayette, um, Columbus, Ohio. Sent 90 people to Boston uh, and uh, Philly, Baltimore, at Johns Hopkins, Hoboken, New York, Stony Brook. So that was quite an effort this past summer. Wow. And uh, they're there. They haven't died. Yeah. They're, they're you know? there. So they're there. They're actually at these places that they've been sent. Mm-hmm. But what I love about this story is that for the people who don't know, this is not the first time that you've done something like this. No, no, right? No. Like, and yeah. So when we talk about multiplying Jeez. church, we're talking about people who are discovering, developing, deploying from within. Right? You caught the bug 
to of church planting and just expanding the gospel years back. Can you share a little bit about that? Like the first time that how you entered into this and uh-huh. and how because you say it just kind of just happened, but no, there yeah. was there was some there's a lot of intentionality that has taken place from the time that you felt kind of this call to do it. Can you share a little bit about that? Yeah, well, you know, um, we didn't do much for a while. Uh, And then I think in sort of retrospect, we started to discover something about our church that we felt like, um, I don't know, this, this, this sounds odd, but we felt like God really showed us something that other people weren't seeing that we we felt a burden for and like we need to we need to keep doing this and other mm-hmm. people weren't doing it. So at, at one level, it's local church based collegiate ministry. Uh, and at, at a deeper level, it's um, doing life like Acts to Church um, with dailiness and face to face, close relationship with so much joy. And we found it possible uniquely on a college campus. So we said, like, we're really enjoying this. Mm-hmm. Let's see if we can duplicate it everywhere we possibly can. Mm-hmm. So an Acts to Church in every college campus became sort of a galvanizing vision. And, you know, we had a vision statement that nobody remembered that it was boring. And then once we had that vision statement, it was actually galvanizing. Mm-hmm. Wow. And, uh, and a group of guys said, you know, we love each other and uh, we're having fun and let's just go relocate and, and do this again. And so it's not uh, based on a strategy uh, like we got. It's it's really kind of from bottom up that this happens. Yeah. And yeah. I just need to make sure that, you know, we support them when they get out there. Right. But essentially you did that. How many, when was the first time that you sent the first group out and how many churches? Like what has been some of that church planting journey? First group was 2008 at UT Austin. Um, we're from California. Uh, Texas felt like another country. I know Texas feels they themselves think, they, they to be think like another country. country. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, so that, that felt. And then, um, and then because they uh, sort of received us uh, in Texas, and we thought, wow, you know, we can actually do this. Um, today we're uh, at 70-some campuses, and we're at 37 cities. Um, so starting from 2008, and, and I think... I think the momentum's just going to continue. Yeah. Yeah, because it's not, I don't have to do anything. It's sort of like, hey, let's do this. It's just sort of in our, in our soil, yeah. in our culture. So it's a genuine movement. I mean, it's a genuine move of God. Um, a, a church turns into a sending church, into a multiplying church, into a movement. But it's not always been that. And I would love, because all of our listeners, um, most of them are planters, pastors, or they want to be. And there's a seed of a dream in their heart that God would give them a movement one day. God, let me be a part of this. Yeah. I know that mm. it's in so many of them. Yeah. And they can often look at your situation and be like, oh, that is just so otherworldly. I'll have to become a different person. But you're just Pastor Ed. Mm. I mean, <laughs> you, you are an exceptional leader. But the more I spend time with you, you are just a regular guy that loves Christ and obeys him. I would love for us to discuss to hear from you, what are some of those basic building blocks that you had to say yes to God in that everyone else will have to as well if they want to see a multiplying movement happen? Yeah, so, you know, um, there's that C.S. Lewis quote about um, uh, first things first, and if you put second things first, then you you won't get first Mm -hmm. things or second things, and Mm -hmm. uh, you put first things first and you'll get both. Um, Aim at heaven and you'll get earth thrown in, you know, that whole quote. And I think, um, I think, Gosh, man, success or movement or multiplication, all of these good things, um, it, it could all become that. 
Um, so, mm. you know, I, I, I just have to tell my story. It's, 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 it's weird. It's not, uh, you know, it's probably not relatable, but, um, back in my th early thirties, I was, um, I was really irritated that I wasn't getting the attention I thought I deserved, mm. uh, in, in, in my little world back then. Mm -hmm. And my little world back then was, uh, Korean American, um, English speaking, second generation leaders. And in that world, um, I was, you know, off the beaten path in Berkeley. And I remember paying attention to the fact that I was irritated by this. Mm -hmm. um, and that's when we're going through Henry Blackaby and, um, you know, like, he sounds so stern, keep me as low as my character. And I said, and so that became my prayer. Mm. And then I made almost a vow to not seek attention, mm -hmm. uh, to, to deliberately not seek attention. Um, the stuff I was writing is never going to get published. Um, I wasn't going to seek uh, to leverage platform. Platform didn't exist as a word back then in the sense that it is today. But, and I remember that being a very powerful moment for me. When I, mm -hmm. And, and I, think, I think that was a kind of an idol in me, that, that ambition. Wow. And, and I let that go. And, and so that, that was one part of my journey. Um, another part of the journey is, um, that, you know, I'm, I'm not this, uh, huge leader that can like do, you know, like I look at some of these mega church leaders, man, they can be, they can be president, mm -hmm. they can be CEOs. Uh, I'm not that guy. Um, but the, the whole, but, but I, I do, I do love pouring into, in, into younger people. And, and when I preach to them or, or I try to inspire them and mobilize them and, and then they actually get inspired. There's that moment where you're a little scared of what you've done. <laughs> like what? You're gonna, like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I was just, I was just mouthing up. I was just preaching, you know, like you don't have to. So, so then you, and I think at that moment you can kind of, kind of go back to normal or as they respond, you, you join in that, that dance almost and say, when they say, that's right, then you say, that's right, that that's right. Okay, so what are we going to do? And so, so I think um, I really respect how people respond. Mm. And then for me, that meant I had to grow really fast or I have to send them out. Mm. Right. Um, and, um, and for me, it felt like I want you to have that pioneering experience. Wow. You know, mm -hmm. um, you know, they say that America sort of lost something when it, it made it to the West Coast and there's no more, you know, pi the, the pioneering experience. It's sort of like that. Wow. And so for me, it was sort of my pastoral uh, uh, discipleship of guys under me uh, that I wanted to be faithful to. And then once they get sent out, it's like, oh, no, are they going to survive? So then I want to keep supporting them. Right. So that's sort of how it happened. Mm. I don't know if that's yeah. No, it's, yeah. that's really one good. of the things that you said about that because one uh, one of the objections from pastors is that if we take that type of approach with that type of aggression and sending people out, what about home base? How is having that type of aggressive approach yeah. affected the church in Berkeley? It's been exciting. I mean, it's it's uh, well, honestly, the church in Berkeley uh, declines every time we send people out. Yeah. And um, I don't know if we've, if we've ever quite recovered. Um, there was a time when we had like a thousand college students in our service, and it's down to less than half of that. 
but you know, I, I, I stepped away from teaching college students, um, you know, like in my mid forties, I think. Yeah. Um, so that's, um, I don't know. I think that's exciting to, to subvert your own success and break it down and you'd have to rebuild. And so I don't, I don't regard that as a, a real cost. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, you do take a hit uh, because it's your, it's your best guys you send out uh, because starting is, is, is hard. And so you want your best guys to, to mm-hmm. go out. And then, and then everybody, like we have a saying, you know, if the teeth fall out, the gums have to do the chewing. Mm. And so <laughs> it's an old Korean saying. Everybody just was like, <laughs> still there. <laughs> yeah. Man, first off, let me give you a quick dap because fellow West Coast brother yeah. on the podcast here today, but not everybody knows the hotties from. I know. Like, I was about to say, you got to give me You got to give me too. You know what I'm saying? No, at any point. No, I'm just saying, you're right where you need to be. That's right. But no, one thing I love about. Just hear it, hearing you communicate. If you ever get a chance to hear Pastor Ed preach, um, it's a gift. It's a treat. Yeah, I feel like you have like a smoothness to mm-hmm. your preaching that's very conversational, but very powerful. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that college students are attracted to that. And mm-hmm. um, I, I, one question that I wanted to ask you about is, um, do, you, do you see some of what you're doing um, with multiplication, sending, disciple making, do you see that happening more globally? Just with your background in, um, would you consider yourself Korean American, or mm-hmm. is, that, is that how you say? Yeah. Um, I, I find that some of this mentality is counter counter church in America. But when I meet with global leaders, it seems like sending, church planning, multiplication is more of the regular. It's more of the norm. Has that been some of your experience? You know, I don't know. I don't know if I okay. can speak to that because I'm not. I'm not that plugged in. Okay. Yeah. 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 But man, culturally, Asians don't do this very well. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. They, I mean, it's it's very top down, and it's it's very sort of like if you want to start out, you almost have to rebel in order to start out. Mm-hmm. Got it. You know. So it's not like Asians do this well, in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah. Do you feel like? Maybe just a secondary question. Um, do you feel like in in engaging with young adults, college ministry, that you I'm trying to think how to phrase it? Um, I think at, at times I'm finding that students um, they don't know that they're looking for community mm-hmm. and that they're that that's really what they want. And you're in a way opening their eye. You're already knowing that's what you that's what you're looking for. You're craving, mm-hmm. and so you're opening their eyes to that through a church planning model. And it's really strategic because then students are, have something to be a part of, feel yeah. a part of. It's yeah, I mean they're cause hungry and they're community hungry. Cause hungry. Um, they 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 think that that's what's gonna. Like it's not just students. I mean it's that middle aged guy that's working too long. Mm-hmm. You right. know, it's like they think that that's what they want, but you know, the cry of everybody's heart is that. I, I, Please love me, you know. Right. You know that 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 kid that's risking his life doing fancy things with the skateboard to, you know, the guy, uh, professional guy working too hard. It's like mm. love me, love me, love me, and but nobody nobody can say it. Nobody says like, oh, can you love me? Like you know, who says that? But yeah. that's what that's what we're made made for. So then, if you experience that, then the the power of like ambition and um, like like I gotta make it. 
that that tension just relaxes. Mm. And 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 I just see it happening. Like wow, if I can actually trust that love is real and we can be covenanted, and you're not going to abandon me, and uh, God's not going to abandon me. Yeah. Like w- once that sinks in, then the desire for uh, a lot, a lot of other things that tear people away from mission or from one another, it just dissolves. Got it. Yeah. Yeah, I, I've uh, had the opportunity to do a podcast with uh, some young men who came out of one of your churches and had this podcast, and I, they did it during COVID, and, and they're all in the same apartment, and they're in different rooms because they live together. Mm-hmm. And this is the model, is, <laughs> is, is they all go to these cities, and they all get jobs, Yeah. and, and they all work uh, to provide for the work of this ministry, and they do it together. And it's, it's astounding to me because I feel like we say, hey, another part of our city, we want to get a small group grown there and people to move there. People are like, I don't know, school district, I don't know, neighborhood. How are you saying, what is inspiring people to do that together? Um, yeah, you know, it's, it's sort of in the culture now, so they, they want to do it. I think it is also because um, we preach um, and really in, like insist on what I call the primary colors of the gospel. Mm. Okay. Um, it's we, we preach about lostness and like, people are going to die. You know, you're going to die. You can't take it with you. Everybody's going to spend eternity somewhere. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so that that core gospel of like life is short, death is certain, eternity is long, and and I think I think that's that's also a, a real driving force and a real unifying force. You know, and I think the church is so split nowadays. I'm so divided a- along what ultimately aren't ultimate issues. And I think it's because we've lost that soul winning, like Southern Baptist, man, we're a soul winning group, right? But we've yeah. lost that soul winning edge of Come like on. proclaim the gospel. And I think that'll unite us and relativize all of our differences. Mm-hmm. And I see that uh, being a, a big driving force. Mm-hmm. That's why guys from, you know, cool place like San Francisco Bay Area will go to the cornfields of like Urbana-Champaign in Illinois and be happy because they're rescuing people from uh, from hell. Yeah, you know, it's yeah. really amazing that you flip the the mission script. Because I'm from the cornfields of Champaign, uh, Urbana. I'm from hey, southeastern Illinois. It. That was actually yeah. a big city in my in my my state. <laughs> and so it's always the thought of you leave there to go to California. Mm-hmm. And it's I love that California of yeah. all places mm-hmm. is sending missionaries all over the Midwest. Yeah, and I yeah. love that. <laughs> yeah, sometimes when I when I hear leaders like yourself and you start talking about a thousand people sign up and you know 400 adults and like man this just can get like overwhelming and and praise god for for that I, when i say overwhelming i mean like in like a and that i want to see some of that i want to experience some of that um can you just speak a little bit more into some of the ingredients? I like got that to me speaks to movement. It's it's college campus, man. It's yeah. like I don't know why um, this people is keep thinking. Was that is prayer a part of that? Um, yeah, I mean, of course. I mean, um, we used to have four hour prayer meetings. I want to hear that. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like that. People yeah. still talk about it. Like Jeez. they they talk. Well, yeah, we used to have. Um, that's amazing. Yeah, Tuesday night we we pray four hours. We just rented this big uh, sanctuary and we just pray. Um, yeah, I mean, it creates hunger. Um, 
I think um, I think prayer as a spiritual exercise versus prayer because you have to pray sure. because you're trying to save souls and you got you got a list of people you're praying for. You're always scheming different things and man, you have to pray for that. So yeah, I mean we're we're pretty pietistic. Um, our whole church does daily devotion on the same text. Okay. Um, and so that's the common language. Does that get sent um, out like through yeah. email or something like that? Yeah, not, not yeah, we we actually actually produce books cuz we want people we kind of encourage people to be off of their devices when they're doing their daily devotion. Yeah. So we call it DT devotion time. Uh almost all of our people get together in the morning because we found morning's the most consistent time to to share. Wow. So we'll we'll get together at somebody's house, you know, 7 a.m. um and We'll share and then and then go off to work, but it's a it's a little journaling. It's a, it's a chunk of text. You answer some questions around it. You apply it. You pray together. That's daily. That's so that's good. that's five days, uh, and so we're seeing each other it's in the mornings uh, five days uh, just over over God's word, and then um, you know and then we have prayer meeting. Yeah. So we're not we're not doing four hours nowadays. We do thirty minutes every day, but um, it's it's online. So then people log in and, and, and we'll pray for our common prayer requests. So our prayer rhythms change. But yeah, we're we're pretty we're pretty pietistic, you know. We don't we want God's we don't want to lose God's blessing. We don't wanna we don't want yeah. human hubris to ruin what wow. God's doing. Wow. Pastor Ed, that kind of reminds me of something Dahadi taught me um, a while back. Just this concept that discipleship is less the one hour a week meeting at Starbucks and is is more not that it's now that that's not a essence of it, but it's that's not the fullness of it. It's more of a lifestyle thing, and it's more of the church is discipling me together. It's a daily devotion. It's getting together on a more frequent basis, yeah. Yeah. and I feel like you two uh, really really model that in no, your church. That's my hero. Yeah, as the hero, he's, he's all of our heroes. He's he's like, so good, man. That's good. Yeah. He's been pumped up. Well, you know, I, I love that what you said at the very beginning, Ed, that you were in your mid-30s and you had this ambition that was gnawing at you and you had to let that go. You had to let go of this thing that was in you of what you wanted for yourself and receive what God had for you. And so you said no to yourself and yes to God. That's Titus, Titus 2. Mm-hmm. The, the gospels appeared, giving us the power to do that. Great. And mm-hmm. I think the number one thing I'm taking away is that, mm-hmm. of, of the power of the gospel, to let go of my what I want and say yes to God. And I think if we have leaders across Send Network that are listening to this and they do that same thing, yeah. I think we're going to have more than a handful of, of leaders who grew up to, to be like you, Ed. So thank mm-hmm. you for the way you pour mm-hmm. out the network. And thanks for being with us today. Mm-hmm. Thank you. And thank you for joining us for another episode of the We Are Send Network podcast. As always, if you want to know more about church planting with Send Network, you can go to sendnetwork.com or you can just text the phrase Send Network to 888-123. Send Network to 888-123. Until next time. We Are Sin Network. You have been listening to We Are Sin Network, a resource of the North American Mission Movement. For more information about today's podcast and other relevant resources, visit sendnetwork.com.